Amen. If you're glad for the goodness of God, say amen. Amen. Let me go ahead and dismiss our kids up to third grade for Children's Church. We do believe it's a big deal to be in the house of God. Amen. Give them a good hand for being in church today. Amen. Amen. This is one of those services where you don't want to mess it up. bow our heads. Father, thank you today for what we've already experienced. Thank you for the Holy Spirit. Lord, thank you for being a comforter and a healer. Thank you for uh, the power of your word, inspired word. So that's what we turn to today. Thank you for the testimony. Boy, what, what courage and what a blessing. So we ask that you'll help us now, in Jesus' name, amen. Once you take your Bible and join me this morning in the book of Proverbs. We're back in Proverbs, and we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 19. Proverbs chapter 19. And before we turn to the Word this morning, I want to ask you a question that I need your help. How many of you have ever been stung by a bee? Raise your hand. Or a wasp or something that hurts. Okay? All right, let me see them again. Okay? Boy, it looks like nearly every hand. But, but there's a possibility maybe you're not, you're one of those who've never been stung by a bee. Uh, I want to share a story with you to open the service that is true. I asked those involved if they cared if I used their names, and one involved said, Absolutely, don't care. You make sure you tell it right. <laughs> Several years ago, we went on a mission trip to Brooklyn, Ohio, a suburb of Cleveland. Uh, one thing that I vaguely remember about the trip is Brother Trevor and I both got sore throats on that trip to the point we had to call Dr. Hoke, and he called something into CVS in Brooklyn, Ohio. It was that bad. It was so bad, we were asking for home recipes from you. And Betty Clevenger sent us this recipe that involved apple cider vinegar. Trev and I were okay to take it on the night. We were feeling so rough, but we couldn't even get it close to our nose the next morning. So it was a, a trip full of everything. As a matter of fact, this morning, Andrea is here in this service. Andrea, stand up. Trevor's daughter, who grew up here, give her a good welcome home, okay? The point, uh, the mission trip, the, the climatic event of the mission trip was Friday night, and it was kids' night, family night, VBS. We had a great group and uh, had a lot of fun. Everybody was working hard. Everything was pointing toward Friday night, Kathy. Is that right? Kathy Mabry, Friday night. And about 5 o'clock on Friday night, Kathy Mabry was stung by a bee. And Kathy is allergic, and if any of you know what that means, she has an EpiPen. Uh, many of us in this room have that, or our kids need it. So they said, get the EpiPen, get the EpiPen, and everybody was moving, trying to help, and somehow we designated Ken Tillery to apply the EpiPen. 
And Kathy was sitting there, the ladies were fanning her, and, 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 and she, she's kind of, uh, we're not sure what's gonna happen. And Ken gets it ready, and he jabs her in the thigh. And Kathy says, hit me again, hit me again, I don't feel it. And Ken does it again. And Kathy goes, I don't feel it. And all of a sudden, Ken Tiller goes, ah! And he had applied it backwards, and it shot him in the thumb. Kathy sees this and all of a sudden passes out. Now, I want you to picture Kathy passing out and Ken over in the corner in a fetal position holding his thumb that he thinks has just been blown off. The squad comes and we get Kathy taken care of, and that turned into something funny at the hospital as well. But we get her taken care of. We're able to get back to the church. Had a great night of ministry. Why do I tell that story? Because really it's one I'll never forget. Uh, secondly, when you're stung by a bee, it affects more than you. I mean, I know you feel like when you get it, that when you get hit, it's, it's your, your pain. But the truth is it affects other people. Because we saw people spring into action. Well, this morning in Proverbs chapter 19, I believe there is a bee sting we all need, but it's not the B-E-E sting, it's the B-E sting. And I believe you'll find yourself somewhere in these verses this morning, and I also believe that God can help you, because Proverbs 19 is a picture of putting wisdom into action in our daily lives. So it's not just coming to church and getting a bunch of knowledge, it's applying what you learn to your daily life as you grow in Christ. As a matter of fact, one of a preacher's favorite set of commentaries, Cody, is the Warren Wiersbe set. And he did a complete set called the B series, the B-E series, as he preaches and breaks down books of the Bible. So we're gonna pull out nine. Hang in there, don't get overwhelmed with nine. But we're gonna pull out nine Bs that I believe will help you regardless of what age you are, how long you've been a Christian, how mature you are in Christ, or regardless of the circumstances you find yourself in this morning. So we'll walk, we'll walk our way through it. Beginning with Proverbs chapter 19, and I'll begin by reading the first two verses. If you're with me, say amen. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than one who is perverse in his lips and is a fool. Also, it's not good for a soul to be without knowledge. And he who sins is he who hastens with his feet. Now, Solomon begins Proverbs 19 by talking about integrity. Integrity means to be complete. It means to be full. Uh, in essence, it could be said like this. Integrity is what you see is what you get. Integrity is who you see on stage is who's at home. Integrity is who you're worshiping this morning and who you're worshiping and serving is who's the Lord of your life during the week. The Bible says he who walks with integrity, listen, I'm not talking about reputation. Reputation is what people thinks of us, Tim. 
I'm talking about character and integrity, what God knows about us. And the Bible has a lot to say about it. As a matter of fact, Solomon had a lot to say about it. Flip back to Proverbs chapter 11. Proverbs 11, verse 3. The integrity of the upright will guide them, but the perversity of the unfaithful will destroy them. Uh, Flip on over to Proverbs chapter 20, verse 7. Listen to me. Listen to me, dads. The righteous man walks in his integrity, and his children are blessed after him. Even if you go back to Proverbs chapter 10, verse 9, he who walks with integrity walks securely, but he who perverts his ways will become known. Here's what Solomon's saying. He or she who walks with integrity walks securely. You don't have to look over your shoulder because you're whole, you're complete. Proverbs 28, 6. Better is the poor who walks in his integrity than one perverse in his ways, though he be rich. So we see in the first few verses, better is the poor who walks in his integrity than one who is perverse in his lips and is a fool. Also, it is not good for a soul to be without knowledge, and he who hastens with his feet Walking in your integrity is better than one who's perverse in his lips, and it's not good for a soul to be without knowledge, and he who hastens with his feet. I want to give you nine things this morning that I believe can help somebody that came to church. And here's the first B, the B-E, that I see in this passage. Don't run to sin. Don't hasten to it. Be a sin fleer. Now, for you English majors, I have to admit, I had to scrabble this online to see if it's a real word. I typed in, What do you call someone who flees? And I'm thinking, a fleer. You know what their response was? Let me say it again, Barb. What do you call someone who flees? I'm thinking, give me a good, I need something for point number one. The answer came back, a fugitive. (laughs) A fugitive. But when this word is used as a noun, F-L-E-E-R, It's someone who flees from a certain situation. Oh, God, help me flee from sin. And how many times do we run to it? How many times do we just cave into it and act as if God is not even Lord of our life? You say, Brother Greg, how do you know that about my life? Because I know my life. God, help me to be the man or woman. Help me to be the man of God who flees from sin that doesn't run to it. The Bible says in James chapter 4, verse 7, therefore submit yourself to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Verse 8, 
draw near to God and he'll draw near to you. Cleanse your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. And I'm telling you, we're talking about things this morning that only God can do. Because you have to be before you can do. And sadly, some people serve the Lord and, and wonder where the joy is and where is the victory in Jesus. And maybe the fact that our lives have never been changed. We've spent our life doing rather than Christ changing. I want to remind you this morning when it comes to sin, don't underestimate your sin and don't underestimate the enemy that's behind it. You're no match for the devil. Outside of the power of Jesus Christ, you are no match for the devil. That's why you need Jesus. He's victorious, amen? The Bible says we're more than conquer. 1 Peter 5, 8, be alert, be on watch. Your enemy, the devil, roams around like a roaring lion seeking for someone to devour. But sin isn't just something we run away from. There's also something to pursue, and the Bible says pursue righteousness. Paul writes to young Timothy, 1 Timothy chapter 6, but you, O man of God, flee these things and pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, and love, patience, and gentleness. Fight the good fight of faith. Lay hold of eternal life to which you were also called and have confessed the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. You'll say, well, Brother Greg, I can't stand the temptation. Well, recognize something when sin knocks on the door, you're not alone. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, there's no temptation that's overtaken you except as common to man, but God is faithful. And you know what he says? He will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able. God gives you an off-ramp. He gives you a way of escape. And instead of hastening to sin, begin to look for ways to respond in obedience and see what God wants to do. And I really believe as you flee from sin and begin to grow in your faith, you're gonna to begin to praise God because he's already crossed the finish line. He's already there. Hebrews 12, 1 and 2. Therefore, since we're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. You know, uh, Andrea, I, I, I mentioned in the first service, I, I wonder if Trevor can see this service. I don't know. Surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses. Let us run the race and lay the sin down that so easily besets us. And let us run this race with patience, or your version may say endurance. Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. That's the first one. Be a sin fleer. So you gotta help me, okay? On the count of three, I want you to say out loud together in unison, Lord, help me be a sin fleer. You ready? One, two, three. Number two. Number two. Back in 19, the Bible says in verse three, the foolishness of a man twists his way and his heart frets against the Lord. Wealth makes many friends, but the poor is separated from his friend. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks lies will not escape. Verse six, many entreat the favor of nobility, and every man is a friend to one who gives gifts. All the brothers of the poor hate him. How much more do his friends go far from him? He may pursue them with words, yet they abandon him. 
Four through seven tells me, number two, to be a gift giver. Be a gift giver. Scripture says wealth makes many friends. But I'm here to tell you this morning that you can be a giver without having wealth. Sometimes when we begin to do well, we begin to think that somehow it's what we're doing that's causing everything to be well. And all of a sudden, we don't give like we once did. It reminds me of the story of a fellow who came to his pastor and said, Pastor, I'm really struggling with tithing. And the pastor said, well, what's going on? And he said, well, you know, I got the new job. And he said, my income just about doubled. And when I began to look at 10%, I'm not sure that we can afford to tithe anymore. Pastor said, I have an easy answer for that. He said, what would that be? What's your counsel? I want to pray you get your old job back. You see, sometimes, folks, when we get somewhere, we think we somehow have made it on our own. I want you to think back to those that were faithful to you when you were a new Christian. Those that poured into your life, those faithful Sunday school teachers, those those preachers you had growing up that were just special to your heart, who preached faithfully the word of God. Listen, we're not here today because we somehow somehow are, are better than anybody. Do you think the pastors of First Camden in days gone by would not have loved to have had a tool like this building? Uh, But God did it back then, did he not? God did it back then when there were houses all around the the old building with no parking anywhere. God did it every week. Why? Because he's the one that makes things happen. The Holy Spirit of God is the one that makes things happen. And here we are uh, looking at a proverb who says, listen, God is faithful. Make sure that if you're going to be, make sure the first thing is you flee sin. Don't run to it, but make sure you never forget the gift that you've been given. Be a gift giver. And you can be that kind of giver regardless if you're rich or you think you're poor or if you have nothing to offer. That's what the word poor there means. You have nothing to offer. But in Christ, you have something to offer everyone. And that's the good news. That's why an 11-year-old girl could share a testimony who's already seen more heartache and, and hardship and, and difficulty in 11 years than most of us have seen in our lives. So thank God, amen? Thank God. Uh, let, me, let me suggest some gifts that you can give. If you're going to be a gift giver, here's some gifts. You ready? Won't cost you a dime. Be kind. Be, be, be willing to serve. Commit. Listen, don't commit to something to the church and two weeks later say you feel like you need to quit. Are you kidding me? You wouldn't pull your kids out of Little League if they were 0 for 50. You made a commitment. And when it comes to the things of God, should we not give him everything? Should we not step in both feet? And you say, well, Brother Greg, I just don't like your leadership. I'm sorry for that. When I was young as your pastor, I thought I could make everybody happy all the time. That is a lonely hill to live on because I realize that's just not gonna happen. But folks, let me tell you something. We have a God who's worthy. 
He's worthy. And I love the team. I love the team FSB Camden. I love our team, don't you? We're not perfect. We're from small town America. I love it. I've been to Dayton enough the last week to last me for another lifetime. I'm glad to live in Preble County. Sacrifice. Give, give sacrifice. Give the gift of your presence. The P-R-E-S-E-N-C-E presence. Give the gift of prayer. Give the gift of time. Give the gift of hope to somebody. Encourage somebody. And give the gift of respect to everybody. I'm, I'm so tired of everything in national life being divided along a party line. I'm, 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 listen, I'm discouraged with the Southern Baptist Convention. If I were lost and looking at our convention right now, I would think, I don't want any part of that. Preachers attacking preachers. Churches telling each other how to do it. Maybe we just ought to focus on the flock God has given us and try to do the best we can for the glory of God. He hadn't called you to be the judge of another church. Those are gifts that we can give, but Solomon doesn't stop there. Now, you're gonna notice something in chapter 19. It seems like Solomon mentions it, and then he re-mentions it, and for some of these things this morning, he does it three times. For instance, look at verse eight. He who gets wisdom loves his own soul. He who keeps understanding will find good. Jump down to verse 20. Listen to counsel and receive instruction that you may be wise in your latter days. There are many plans in a man's heart. Nevertheless, the Lord's counsel, that will stand. Look down at verse 27. Cease listening to instruction, my son, and you will stray from the words of knowledge. Number three, be a wisdom getter. Be a wisdom getter. Uh, you know, I've discovered recently that YouTube is a wonderful place for a shade tree mechanic to camp. And I'll go to the exact model of our vehicle, type in what's happening, and somewhere somebody's dealing with the same thing. And I'm not below taking that iPad mark out to the car and laying it on the hood, Tim, and pausing it after I go to step one. And I come into Renee, and I, I mean, my hands are dirty. I, I'm feeling like the best mechanic in the world. No, listen, what I did is I took someone else's knowledge and the wisdom that they had from the situation and just applied it. Be a wisdom getter. You know, in the book of Job, Chapter 8, verse 7, the Bible says, though your beginning was small, yet your latter end would increase abundantly. You know why the senior adults in our church are such a blessing? Because you're wise. You're wise. Many of your grandparents and great-grandparents over and over. Selfishly, I ask you to pray for my niece, Beth Livingston, Beth Ford, Sheila's daughter today. She was taken to the hospital last night to be induced with their first baby and Sheila and Rick's first grandbaby. The message this morning we got from Jordan is, not much has happened overnight. Doctor said it could be Monday morning. But she's there, ready to deliver a little boy. I praise God for that. And guess who's got all of the papaw wisdom? All Rick. No, it'd be like this. This would be me giving Rick wisdom, you ready? All Rick. 
I've learned so much in this journey called grandparenting. No, listen, I love the fact that seniors in our church have wisdom, not just knowledge. Sometimes, Cody, preachers want to preach and show the church how much we know. That's not preaching. That's showing off. You take God's word and hope that people will apply it. Isn't that the key? Take something home with you. Take something home. And my prayer is that some of you today will say, I need to be stung by that. I need to be stung with with gaining more wisdom. Not just book knowledge, but wisdom. I thank you as a church. You kind of let me grow up as your pastor in the school of hard knocks. I mean, I made plenty of mistakes, and you guys didn't say get rid of him. You said he's young and he's naive. He'll learn. Kathy McKee once told me, I was like a puppy. (laughs) Cute when I was young. And I know what she was saying. I knew what she was saying. The Bible says, though man devises his own way, his steps are not under his control. God is. Be a wisdom getter. Now, look at verse 9. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks lies shall perish. Remember how I told you that in this chapter 19, it seems like Solomon repeats things? Jump up to verse five. A false witness will not go unpunished, and he who speaks lies will not escape. Jump down to verse 28. A disreputable witness scorns justice, and the mouth of the wicked devours iniquity. Number four, be a truth teller. My dad shared with me as a boy If you tell the truth, you can have a short memory. You don't have to keep figuring out how to tell a lie. Just tell the truth. But he doesn't stop there. Aren't you glad somebody loved you enough to tell you the truth? What is the truth? We're sinners separated from God. We're all in the same boat. We all have a disease called sin. No surgery, no doctor can fix it. It only happens to be fixed through spiritual surgery. Jesus died on the cross to pay for it. And if we accept it as a free gift, the Bible says we can be healed, we can be forgiven, and heaven will be our home. I praise the Lord for that. I praise the Lord for the preachers I had in my life who told me the truth. There's none righteous, no, not one. There's nobody good enough. That's why Jesus died. And he died, and he says that we can accept his grace by faith. That's number five. Look at verse 11. The discretion of a man makes him slow to anger, and his glory is to overlook a transgression. Look at verse 22. What is desired in a man is kindness, and a poor man is better than a liar. What's desired of a man is kindness. Number five, be a grace giver. Be a grace giver. When was the last time you cut somebody a break? When was the last time somebody cut you off and you cut them a break? When was the last last time somebody pushed you away and you said, that's no big deal? And you went on and your life moved just fine. The Bible says in James chapter one, my beloved brethren, let every man be swift to hear, slow to speak, slow to wrath. Look back at chapter 16 in Proverbs, verse 32. 
He who is slow to anger is better than the mighty, and he who rules his spirit better than he who takes a city. There's something about being a grace giver. Uh, Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount told his disciples in Matthew 5, 44, I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who spitefully use and persecute you. Brothers and sisters, that is easier said than done, amen? But it doesn't change the fact that Jesus says you can do that. Be a grace giver. Be a grace giver. I'll tell you where that begins, in the family in which God has placed you. That's where that all begins. Look at verse 13. A foolish son is the ruin of his father, and the contentions of a wife are a continual dripping. Look at verse 26. He who mistreats his father and chases away his mother is a son who causes shame and brings reproach. Let me tell you, if this was ever needed, it's today. We're not only, listen, we're not only called to be a grace giver, listen to me, we are called to be a ready forgiver. A ready forgiver. Uh, I shared with the first service, uh, uh, Gracie and, and Matt will be married, Lord willing, in July and getting ready to start the marriage counseling with them and I'll tell them the same thing I've told some of you couples. Uh, Lindsay, the first thing you've gotta learn in marriage is to say I'm sorry. The second thing you've gotta learn in marriage is to say you're forgiven. And the third thing you've gotta do every day is to tell each other you love each other. Oh, Brother Greg, I'm just not that way. I'm working hard. I know you're showing love by working hard. But I'm telling you, you've got a, a fragile vessel called a wife that needs to hear it. That needs to hear it. Some of you teenagers need to tell your parents you love them. Quit taking them for granted. There's some kids that aren't living with their parents that pray every night they would still be with their parents, mom and dads. Pray for your parents, your family's wet marriages. We live in a culture that just says, hey, if it doesn't work, just step out. No, God says if you're stepping in, you're making a lifetime commitment. It's not gonna be easy. The road's not always gonna be easy. Now, I recognize, listen, some of you are here and, and you're single or maybe you're divorced and, and, and you've seen the awful side of marriage. I'm not saying that and I'm not condoning any of that. But what I am saying is marriage is about a commitment. You don't haphazardly walk into it and you don't haphazardly walk out of it. You've got to fight for it. You've got to fight for it. And let, let me tell you something. Pain in your family can suck the life right out of you. It can suck the life out of you. Relationships, all of it. And sometimes the people we say we love the most and are closest to are the ones we hurt the deepest. Anybody want to say Amen. There are times when we need forgiveness and there are times when we need to give it, okay? Don't you be that person in the relationship that's never wrong. Don't be that person. Be humble enough every now and then to say, I mean, even if you don't think you're wrong, humble yourself to say, I'm sorry. Amen? And come back together for the glory of God. Now, the Bible says we have a good model, Ephesians 4.32. I think Cody used, uh, quoted this in his message a few weeks ago. Be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another. What's, what's the standard as Christ forgave us? 
Colossians 3.13, bearing with one another, forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you also must do. And I'm telling you, I need the power of God in my heart to help me do that. From the cross, Jesus prayed, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. From the cross, Jesus forgave a thief. One of the gospels at least says, I believe that at one time, both of the thieves were reviling Jesus. But what happened to one man's heart? He began to see Jesus for who he was, innocent, and I'm guilty, and I'm guilty. Number seven, verse 15, laziness cast one into a deep sleep, and an idle person will suffer hunger. Verse 24, a lazy man buries his hand in the bowl and will not so much as bring it to his mouth. Number seven, be a hard worker. Be a hard worker. And Paul tells us, don't work just when your boss is watching. Be the kind of worker that a new person wants to be when they get there. Be the kind of worker where the boss says, hey, just follow Joe, do what he does, and, and you're going to see it done the right way. I love that. Look at verse 18. Chasten your son while there is hope, and do not set your heart on his destruction. Chasten, discipline, correct. Number eight, be a consistent teacher. Be a consistent teacher. Leaving a child to make grown-up decisions in a pain-filled life is not your call as a parent. Your call is to nurture. Your call is to take care of them. And listen to me, uh, parents that are my age and older, would you agree with me that we don't quit praying for our kids when they get a certain age? Maybe pray for them more because now we're praying things like this. Oh, Lord, help them raise them grandkids like we raised them. You know what we didn't have to deal with that, that you all do? Listen to me. We didn't have the temptation of cell phones. And now we have grandsons. One of them has one. The second one got one. How fast do they need to grow up? Well, we need to be connected. I understand that. But folks, we're living in a day where discipline is out the door. We're living in a day where the teachers right here in our church take a cell phone away from a kid that's distracting them in class, and they'll be sitting with a principal in front of a parent. Be consistent in your discipline. What are you saying, Brother Greg? Okay, this is not popular. Listen to me. Children and teenagers do not call the shots in your home. If Junior laid in bed this morning and, you, and he was supposed to come to church with you, it's because you didn't try hard enough to get him up. Do what Fred did. Turn on bluegrass. Rise when the rooster crows. And I'm thinking, holy cow. If this is what it's going to take, Dad, to turn that off, I'm getting up. Okay? Be a consistent teacher. I'm not, I'm not acting like Renee and I were the perfect models to raise our kids, only by the grace of God. Guide them, correct them, discipline them. Show them what Jesus looks like. Don't run a hot and cold race. We've got many faithful parents sitting in this sanctuary this morning that love the Lord Jesus and you trained your kids right, 
and they chose as adults not to continue to follow the direction you led. Don't you live a guilt trip of a life because of that. You did what the Bible says. Love them, protect them, guide them. Proverbs 13 says, He who spares his rod hates his son, but he who loves him disciplines him promptly. Promptly. Not hot and cold, faithful to the task. And I'll close with number nine. Verse 23. The fear of the Lord leads to life, and he who has it will abide in satisfaction. He will not be visited with evil. Verse 29. Judgments are prepared for scoffers and beatings for the backs of fools. In all of your being, don't miss this one, be a Christ follower. Be a Christ follower. Give your life to Jesus. You say, Brother Greg, I've wondered. Turn back to the Lord. He hasn't gone anywhere. I believe that some of you this morning, you, you find yourself somewhere. You need to be stung by one of these bees and let the Lord remind you that he will help you. Wednesday night, we're in Colossians. And this is what we closed with in Colossians. It wasn't a verse from Colossians. It was a verse from Philippians. That he who began a good work in you is faithful to complete it. He'll complete it. Every head bowed, every eye closed. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the patience of our folks. Thank you for the testimonies, the songs, and we thank you for your Holy Spirit. Help us now to respond. Before we stand up with every head bowed and every eye closed, if you find yourself somewhere here this morning in one of these, maybe God is just prompting you to come and get on your knees. That's between you and the Lord. If you're here today and you've never given your heart to Jesus Christ as Lord and Savior, that's why we give an invitation as well. And I invite you to come. And we'll have a time of prayer right here together on the floor. And you can make the greatest decision you'll ever make in your life. Will you come? Father, you know our hearts. We know you're working. Help us to be obedient. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.